0: Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned, as together we'll study God's Word.
1: Hey everybody, my name's Gary. Welcome. Happy winter. Can you hear me okay? We good, good. Fantastic. Got a riddle for you. What does a uh, dead president lying in state in the Capitol rotunda? Um, A white supremacy rally in the South and a baseball have in common. Honor. Uh, Let's go to our first picture. In the scene that went viral when Senator Bob Dole showed up at President Bush's uh, casket and was held up. And with all the energy he could muster, saluted his World War II comrade. One of the things we'll be lamenting, and I really want you to show up on Ash Wednesday, is the sin of racism in our culture. But another picture that went viral from this summer was Officer Darius Nash showing up as a policeman in honor of his calling as a policeman, to guard the very rights of free speech for people who would misuse that right and spew hate behind him. And the baseball was given to me on my 10th birthday. I grew up in Marin, but my dad's company was in Oakland, right next to the Oakland Coliseum. And I was a big fan of the Oakland A's. And in 1974, they won the World Series. And a week later, on my birthday, my dad gave me this ball that was signed by the whole team that won the World Series. I can still name six of the nine starters. Don't get me started. Sal Bando, Campy Campanaris, <laughs> Joe Rudy, Vida Blue, Reggie Jackson, Dick Williams, the manager. I, just, I, I remember it, lo- it was like it was yesterday. When I, grabbed, when I saw this ball, I had a ton of baseballs, played baseball growing up my whole life to, through high school and i had baseball to buckets i had baseball in my mitts i had baseball in my dog's mouth but this ball was different and it stayed on my shelf and for the last i don't know decade or so it's been in a case because i honor it do you think like i do that honor is a value that is being eroded and lost in our culture yeah i do too And that's why today as we wrap up this series, we're going to talk about how to one another each other well in the area specifically of honor. I'm going to take us into a case study of honor and look at what it is. We're going to talk about uh, what it's not. And then Danny's going to come up, and I've heard it three times already, uh, talk about practically how do we live this out? Even how do we honor people we disagree with? How do we honor people who don't deserve honor? Uh, What does that look like? So open your Bibles to Mark chapter six, Mark chapter six, or turn them on in your um, U version. And let's talk about this. Let me give you some context. Jesus is returning to his home village, a place where he grew up. Now remember, Jesus grew up in a rural village, small village, 300 people in the Galilee, 100 miles from Jerusalem. Uh, And everyone knew each other. Uh, And actually, at 30 years old, Jesus went public with his ministry and he gave his first sermon. And after he gave his first sermon, he was hated so much that the town grabbed him in the synagogue and rushed him to a hill to throw him over the hill. They wanted to kill him after his first sermon. Uh, One of the gospel writers says he walked through the crowd and escaped that, and then he went to other villages and had a speaking tour for a year, a healing tour for a year. He preached things like the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon that's ever been taught. He healed the blind. He raised the dead. He multiplied loaves and fishes. He gave sight to the blind, things that you and I do all the time, right? This is amazing stuff. And now he's coming back after a year to visit his mom to visit his sisters and brothers. And he goes into the synagogue to give another sermon. You would think if your village raised the Son of God, they would be ecstatic and take pride in that. I went to uh, Marin Catholic High School where Jared Goff, uh, the quarterback of the Rams, uh, went to. And it, I'm just blown away at how much Marine Catholic calls Jared our boy, you know, and like, they take pride in Jared Goff and I'm like, Uh, That's crazy. I mean, I get it, but like here's Jesus coming back to his hometown and you'd expect a parade. Let's see what happens, okay? Actually, what happens, I'll tell you, he can't do any miracles, very few in the town. What? He can raise the dead, heal the blind, uh, multiply loaves all over the place, but he is seemingly stifled from any of the miracles in that town. Why? Let's read. Verse 1, Jesus left there, and he went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When Sabbath came, he began to teach in a synagogue. Many who heard him were what? Amazed. Amazement takes place when expectation is exceeded by reality. That's when you're amazed. You have an expectation, and reality takes it to a whole new level. Um, how many of you uh, went to go see the Christian artist this weekend, Lauren Daigle? Anyone go? Okay, how was it? Yeah, in 9.05, I couldn't shut one guy up during the message. Like He was like, it was amazing. She did this, she did that. Oh, it was so cool, her voice and all this. Hamilton, I hear that a lot. And people pay a lot of money to go see Hamilton. You paid a lot of money to go see Lauren Daigle. Um, Did you go on a date? No, so you paid the money to go see Lauren Daigle. Wow, it's crazy, okay? And yet, it's still amazing because for all you gave out, the reality exceeded it. Jesus teaches in his own village, goes, this this is amazing. What we're seeing exceeds what we would expect from our hometown boy. Where did this man get these things, they ask? What's this wisdom that's been given him? What are these remarkable miracles that he's performing? They're hearing about the miracles. Verse 3, isn't this a carpenter? By the way, uh, the Christian belief is that Jesus was fully God And Jesus was fully human. Being fully God, walking the earth, he wasn't any less human. Being human, fully, walking the earth, he wasn't any less God. Somehow those two were housed in a body. This is one of the key verses that show you how human Jesus was. As uh, Christians, we tend to put a halo on Jesus and he's all holy, never smelled, never had body odor. His nose never ran, any of that stuff. Some of you are even taking offense, I would say that. But look at this verse, look how human Jesus was. For 30 years, he grew up in this village. And like, this is the carpenter, right? This is Mary's son. We know his brothers, James, Joseph, Judas, Simon. We know his sisters, are right here with us. Now look at this. And they took, what's the next word? Offense. It's a word we get scandal from in the English language. Uh, it's to be outraged. They were offended that this carpenter who had brothers and sisters would claim to be God. and would teach the way he taught, would have the authority over the scriptures the way he did. It offended them. That's what's coming across. I mean, they're saying, isn't this this ordinary guy we grew up around? Jesus was that guy who weighted who the curve in school because he always got A's on the test. Teachers loved him. He's the guy that built my table and the corners were really good. And he claims to be God? That's scandalous. That's, a, that's the impact going on in the synagogue right there. Now look at Jesus' response to them. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without, what's the next word? not without honor, except in his hometown. I have been honored all over this region. I went to Jerusalem at 12 and I was honored there by Jerusalem leaders, but I come to my hometown and nothing, I'm a scandal to you among his relatives in his home. The word translated without honor, are you ready? It means to treat as common or to treat as ordinary. And Jesus like, "You're, you're kidding me, right? You're gonna treat me like a normal human being or just like any other rabbi. See, without honor is not what Bob Dole did at the casket of President Bush, whom he fought with in World War II. He exerted all the energy he could to stand up and salute. Without honor is not what Officer Darius Nash exhibited when he showed up for duty, even when that duty was hard. Treating as ordinary is not what I've done with the baseball given to me for 45 years ago. But people did it with Jesus. The word honor, as I put in your notes, means to value, to treat as precious, to ascribe worth to. And it's what Jesus has always had before there was an earth, before you were born, before the church exhibited, uh, existed. Jesus had honor. He will always have honor. Our sin doesn't ruin that honor. The question is, will we give him the honor that's due? And in giving him honor, are you ready? Will we honor others the way he would have us honor them? Look at this verse in Revelation, it's not in your notes, Revelation chapter four. This is talking about Jesus. This is who Jesus was before he came to earth. This is who Jesus is right now. This is who Jesus will always be. Everything is about Jesus. Can I get an amen? Yeah. The angels, the angelic beings who are so close to Jesus, they are so close. Literally, they, the Bible says they are on fire. They are burning one, seraphim. And they say, you are worthy, our Lord and God. In other words, Jesus, you are worth it. Let that it. Some of you came here and it was a sacrifice. I told you last week about a pastor's conference I did in the Congo where um, men and women traveled for a week on bicycles or walked and slept on the side of the road and went without food because Jesus was worth it to them. Your sacrifice is worth it. Your um, staying faithful in the midst of the hard is worth it when you do it for Jesus. You're worthy our Lord and God to receive glory and honor and power. You're worthy to receive honor. See, this is why Jesus was amazed. This is who he was before he came to earth. He comes to his creation to rescue them and they stiff arm him and treat him as ordinary. Come on, Jesus, when are you gonna be done with the sermon? This is boring us and Jesus is like, really? amazing. Verse 5, he couldn't do any miracles there. Look at that. It doesn't say he wouldn't. He didn't punish them. He couldn't do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. Now, look at this. There's only twice in the Gospels where amazed is attributed to Jesus. In other words, Jesus was only amazed twice when he walked the planet. Only twice. Here's one of them. He was amazed. In other words, his reality exceeded his expectations, but not in a good way, my friends. What was he amazed at? Look for yourself. Tell me. Uh, The other time Jesus was amazed was at a person's great faith who wasn't even an Israelite. So what we learn from this is this, Jesus is amazed by faith, not by ordinary faith, but by extraordinary faith, negatively or positively. He is amazed when people take him at his word and believe God for great things. And he looks down at heaven and says, oh my gosh, look at, look at Mary. I'm going to pick you. Can I pick on you, Mary? You don't have a choice. Look at Mary. Look what she's trusting me for. That is amazing. She believes I can do it. I love that. She is asking me for great things, supernatural things. That's amazing. And then he looks down on a congregation like ours and I'm not going to pick anyone out. I'll pick me. Look at Gary. All he knows and look at the smallness of his prayers. Look at his lack of faith. Look what you can't trust me for. Look at the lack of his faithfulness. With all I've come through and all the grace I've given him. That's amazing. That was the sense Jesus had in this village. You don't have faith. This amazes me. So you don't have honor. And where honor isn't given and where honor doesn't abound... Kingdom values can't be expressed. The kingdom can't be expressed. That's true uh, in any relationship that lacks honor. There's no kingdom in any relationship where honor isn't expressed. It's true in small groups. It's true in churches. Where honor isn't valued, kingdom isn't expressed. So here is our key verse. I'm gonna hand it over to Danny. Uh, Romans 12, verse 10. Look what it says. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. In other words, outdo one another in showing honor. Why do we do that? Not because they've earned it. But why do I honor this baseball? Because of the names written on it. And we should honor one another because Jesus, I mean this with all my heart, this is the ethic that should drive every follower of Christ. And if you're not, I just publicly, and we will lament next Wednesday night, I want to publicly apologize for the way that that followers of Jesus have not done this. But because the name of Jesus is written on the life of every human being as an image bearer or as a disciple of Jesus, they deserve honor. They deserve rights, even when we don't agree, like Officer Nash showed us, we can still show up in honor in a way that's disagreeable. So how does this live out in the home? We wanna get really, really, really uh, applicable here. Would you do me a favor and put your hands together and honor Pastor Danny as he comes up and talks about that. I want to honor him for a minute, and don't worry about that, okay? I just want you to know, uh, I am grateful for you. I'm grateful for what we've tasked you with as far as going after homes and children and teenagers and how well you do it, and I am thankful that you're here. Thanks, Gary. Take it away.
0: Appreciate it. Um, when we think about this idea of honoring, to be devoted to love and to honor one another, um, we're in the series of one another's, and they are commands. They're not suggestions. And as we look at the dynamic of how this plays out, there's a lot of different areas that we all exist in in life. And so I wanted to be able to say, hey, regardless of what type of dynamic you're in, there's a plug and play system that I want to give you that gives you some ways to think about it. I can't tell you how to do it, but what I want to be able to give you is some ideas and some suggestions. So whether you're taking notes on paper or on a digital device, Um, I want you to just maybe write this down, because it's something you can come back to today, this week, but how would you fill in the blank of I value blank, and then I honor when? How would you do that? I value blank, I honor when? For example, for me, I would say I value my time, therefore I honor people when I give them my time. And so when you think about what world you live in, whatever that looks like, and as we dig into this, what does it look like for what you value to occupy the time and attention you give it? Because anything you value, you're going to put time and attention to. Gary valued growing up Oakland A's. He honors that baseball, again, not because of the ball, but because the names are on it, because it's connected to memories and emotions, and there's experiences connected to that. And so as we think about the idea that our ability to honor people, humility is deeply attached to this. In fact, honor and humility go side by side. And in our culture, the idea of humility often to some has a connotation of you're a doormat. Like to be a humble person means that you can't have drive, you can't have determination, you can't have a standard. It just means you kind of get walked over. And I deeply disagree that because when you look at honor and humility, you actually look at what Christ models. Jesus modeled the ability to be humble and to honor people. And in the humility he had, he had a deep amount of strength. And that's what he calls his body, the church too, as well. So when we think about the idea of honor and we think about humility, what does it look like to give some perspective to it? I'm going to give you a quote. Here's a quote from Rick Warren. He's a senior pastor of Saddleback Church, wrote Purpose Driven Life. And he says this about humility. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself yourself less. Dr. King in February of 1968 gave a message on humility and I pulled this from that transcript and it says this, everybody can be great because anybody can serve. You don't have to be a college. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and verb agree to serve. You only have to have a full heart of grace, a soul generated by love. Paul says in Romans 12 to be devoted to, in love, to honor one another. So what are some areas that could play out? Friendships. You have friends like I have friends that when the text or the phone call comes in, you don't answer it because you know there's an agenda behind it. As in, they're moving for the third time this month and you own the truck. Friendships. Do you check in with each other because you care or because you have a cause? See, when we think about friendships, often it's a you-centric, it's what am I getting out of this? But to honor one another says, hey, how do I make it Christ-centric and how do I check in with them because I care about them? In fact, here's a phrase that I'd love for you to be able to repeat with me because it's the plug and play. And it's this, I honor others when I humble myself. In fact, I'd love for you to say that. I honor others when I humble myself. Okay, it's pushing noon and you act like it's 8 a.m. So either the fourth cup of coffee hasn't kicked in or you're where you're at. Say it again. I honor others when I humble myself. Sorry, we're going to say it several times this morning. So friendships, how do you honor one another when you humble yourself? It's this. Hey, I want to check in with you because you matter. Uh, I'm going to give you an example. Two weeks ago, here's my calendar. I literally grabbed a random two weeks. I wish I'd have grabbed a different two weeks or week, but here's why. This is a rough example of my calendar in a week. There's a lot going on. Tomorrow morning, 9 a.m., staff will be in here, this room right here. We pray for you, we pray for our community. I meet with my team. We have student ministry, we have kids ministry. There's a lot of things going on in this week. I've got a six year old learn to drive, and yes, the insurance rates go up for those of you that are not there yet. It's a true rumor. But you know what you don't see on this calendar? You don't see a single breakfast, lunch, or phone call scheduled with a friend. This was just a moment of, like, ah, oh, I wish I'd have grabbed a different week because it would have looked a whole lot better for the illustration. But this is the point going, man, if I really value my time and I want to honor others, I got to humble myself to make sure that I do what I'm called to do, and that's to check in with one another. So, friendships is it you centric or is it Christ centric? What about roommates? Okay, anytime you live in a confined space with other individuals, something is going to happen that is going to set you off or them off. Am I right? And it's not always about the dirty dishes. It's more about the lack of respect. Even if there's a financial transaction in the roommate scenario, here's what you're dealing with. You're dealing with the need to be emotionally aware to go, look, I'm going to honor you and I'm going to humble myself, which means we're going to have a difficult conversation. I care enough about you that I want to humble myself to go, hey, I want to honor you as a human being, but we are disagreeing on how this roommate scenario is going to go. And if you're sibling roommates, that's a whole different ballgame. But you have to be able to go, man, how does this, how do I live this out? If I'm going to honor you, I'm going to what? Humble myself. You're starting to get it. If I humble myself, that means I'm going to engage in this conversation knowing that we need to have a hard yet honest conversation. And you also need to be there in the good moments as well. So friendships or roommates, you're both dealing with environments that are going, man, how do I honor them and humble myself? Now, I want to talk to you if you're in the room and if you're retired, retiring, or a grandparent. Do you realize a gift that you give our communities and you probably don't even know it? And it can be summed up in a single word, perspective. See, I know when I talk with my mom who watched the Civil Rights, she gives me a perspective I don't have because I can't fathom what that was like. When I talk with people that have been around war or they've been alive long enough to know, hey, war is a common thing in a lot of parts of the world. And let me give you a perspective of how I've navigated the topic of war as a Christ follower. Hey, you have seen financial, economic, highs and lows. And you know what you give? You give perspective. You also give the greatest perspective as you've been following Christ for seasons after seasons after seasons. For those that are growing in their faith, you're able to speak into that with perspective to go, hey, let me tell you what it looks like for me in my 20, 30, 40, 50 years of following Jesus, of how to navigate life. It's one of the selfish reasons I want you serving in our family ministry area with kids and teens because you can give conversations to the next generation that they deeply need. What does it look like for you to, and here's the phrase again, I honor others when I, throw that back up there, Eric, throw that screen up there. Say it with me. I honor others when I humble myself. Plug and play this. As a dad who's trying to raise teenagers, one of the things that I'm aggressively doing and have since I've been a dad and the day they're born is reaching out to dads that are 5, 10, 15 years ahead of me and go, hey, how'd you do this? Can I pick your brain about, hey, this is something we're navigating. Have you ever done this? See, the beauty of communal faith is the ability to go, we need one another as part of the body of Christ to be able to go, we're in this together. Early in the series, we had said circles are better than rows, for the very ability to give proximity and perspective to each other as we wrestle with our faith. Now, singleness or marriage are equally honoring to the Lord. One is not greater than the other. Scriptures speak on that. And when you're dealing with your relationships, coworkers, friendships, you're dealing with the ability to model what's it like to say, Jesus, what you're doing in me matters through me and I can model that to the world around me. Now, when I talk with any friend that is not a follower of Christ, how I treat them, what does not go through their mind is, oh, he does this because he knows Jesus. No, it's often he does this because he's a genuine human being. And as I navigate faith conversations around that, it's an opportunity to share. And if you are married in your spouse relationship, can you put them before that? Well, what's the that? Anything, fill in the blank. It could be the fact that laundry sat on a chair for two weeks. It could be the fact that one of us forgets the kids because of scheduling. It could be because, and you can just fill in the blank, but can you put them before that? Can you put the covenant relationship you have with your spouse before whatever that issue is that bugs you? Can you honor them based on the relationship you have with Christ and they have with Christ and humble yourself? Now, real practical, here's an image of what this does look like in my world. But it's not about IKEA, and what goes with IKEA. It's the tape measuring, it's the color palette, it's the moving furniture, to realign furniture, to put up a shelf, to then move the shelf to the other wall and to patch the drywall on the, of that wall that I just made with the hole I put in to put that shelf up, to then move it over here, to then maybe have to move it back because it really looks better over there. Today's my Monday. Sunday through Thursday is my work week. Saturday is my Sabbath. Does anybody really enjoy Ikea or Costco on a Saturday? You can't find parking. The crowds are obnoxious. But you know, it's not about Ikea. It's about the fact that, hey, how do I put a relationship with my wife, even if it does mean going to Ikea, before? See, when we say yes in a relationship, What we're really saying yes to is that we are willing to humble ourselves, so that they are honored. And it's challenging because I think it takes more focus over time. Uh, My wife and I will celebrate 19 years this summer. Gary and I were literally just talking about this, driving up from Hudson, going, man, we've just seen marriages where selfishness is the root of it. There's something selfish that gets embedded, and it just fragments, and you have to work on it. When we think about our communities... What we also really think about is the ability to say, hey, um, how do we lean into what's most important? Um, And I want to just take a, a parent moment here. If you're a parent, can you lean in with me for just 30 seconds? One of the things that I've just seen in 18 years of working with teens and families that is super challenging that older kids get is this commodity of time. And one of the things that's really challenging parents of elementary kids, you will hit it in middle school. You really will. But time, you begin to lose. Or you begin to repurpose. And you have to think intentionally about both. If you're going to spend time with your kids, how do you honor your kids with your time? Parents, if you've never thought about this, but when you honor your kids with your time, you're modeling for them what they will will do at one point in time. You're the model that they're going to look at the most closely. So what does it look like for you to model for your kids time and attention without a phone, without a device, without other people around and just go, hey, I want to honor you. And if you enter in time with your kids with anger and angst and agitation, why are you surprised it comes back to you that way? As a dad of a 16 and 14-year-old, I deeply get this because I know in the 60 minutes I'd spend with a kid, 49 are full of maybe, I don't know, huh, sure. But the 11 minutes is so worth it because over time, guess what that 11 minutes does? It keeps building the relationship that I've been desiring to build with them since day one. If you stop making time a priority with your teenagers, that will be a grave mistake. And if you're here today as a guest and just checking out PCC, we're thankful that you're here. We believe deep in the community that, we're, that we are and are creating. We believe in it based on this resurrect, resurrected life with Christ. But I want to say this if you're a follower of Christ, see, we've been doing this one in another series, and these are not suggestions, they're actually commands, they're not optional. As a follower of Christ, we are called, based on the relationship we have with Christ, to die to ourselves, to give up and humble ourselves, to take on all that Christ has for us. So when you have this relationship with Christ, it's not about you, it's about him and his church and his bride. And that's one of the most powerful images that he uses in the New Testament, that the body of Christ is a bride that he sacrificed for. And so when we think about that as a local body, one of the things that we just need to be reminded of is there's a difference between serving and volunteering. See, volunteering, you opt in and opt out at your leisure, but serving says, no, 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 I'm committed to the body and I'm committed to what they're about. I'm committed to small groups. I'm committed to rooted. I'm committed to serving the community to the left and right of me. And see, if we can't serve the brothers and sisters in Christ that we have, we actually have no business serving those in our city. Because it's hypocrisy. It has to be both and. When you look at the ability to say, hey, I want to serve those around me, I actually need to honor the people to my left and right because of what Jesus says about them, so that I, in all humility, can say yes to them. And the other thing it also has to say for the local church is this you matter deeply. See, you, some of you in this room right now, you're in a moment of angst. You're in a moment of hurt. Your life is a moment of, of maybe unraveling around you, and you need a community. And it's why we do this. It's not just why we meet on Sundays, but it's why we push small groups. It's why we push rooted groups. It's why we push you to be a part of a serving group. Is so you have people with you to be able to say, hey, I can't fix it, but man, I can be there in the moment. One of the greatest joys I've had of being a pastor and I think Gary and the rest of our staff would echo this is when we watch the body of Christ actually be that, the body of Christ and say, hey, we want to partner with each other. As we think about this honoring one another, who's your who? If I honor others when I humble myself, who can you do this today? Write it down, type it in. Maybe you need to drop it in on your calendar right now. As we enter this 40 days of Lent, this 40 days of decrease, our goal is to be able to give you a daily nugget of thought to go, how do we allow Christ to be honored and glorified? And if you didn't sign up, you could just grab that orange card and put Lent on it. We'd love to get you signed up with your phone number because it's not about just program. It's about what Christ is calling us to. Let me pray for us. Jesus, in your sovereignty, the fact that you have everything under your control, there was even moments for you that were hard to navigate because of what you saw people succumbing to. And so our posture today is to say yes to your voice. Our posture today is to say yes to what you call us to. And our posture today is to be men and women who love you to say we want to encourage one another. We want to be filled with love for one another. We want to honor one another in such a way that when we're engaging in conversations, people would actually ask what makes you different and we could declare the glory of your truth. Jesus, we thank you that in this moment today, we have the ability to look in this room and go, we're not alone. So we thank you for your death and your resurrection. We thank you for the life that you call us to. and We thank we have the ability to do this together. Jesus, we thank you for all that you have for us. And we pray this in your resurrected name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.